Good morning, everybody. We're going to get moving quickly because it got a little bit behind here. But uh, first of all, Merry Christmas to you. Um, love the love the season, a lot of joy. Um, I can feel it, feel a lot of joy here today. So it's a great great way to start. I appreciate you coming. Uh, it's such a December's such a busy month. We got so much to do, not nearly as much as our wives, but uh, we got a lot to do. And um, uh, whether it's for business or for Christmas or whatever, so to make some special time uh, to carve out today uh, to uh, worship the Lord and celebrate together. I mean, it just it's. You know, I just hope this helps uh, get your Christmas season moving in the right direction. So, um, so Merry Christmas on that. Um, I just I was thinking one thing. I just want to say one thing. You know, um, a lot of a lot of people contribute to uh, the men's uh, the REMC men's group and have helped kind of get this thing you know get it going, keep it going. But you know, yesterday I was looking at that uh, newsletter that came out and. I just want to publicly recognize Doug Tatum. He does such an awesome job for the men. So I'm going to work on this. Oh, there he is over there. Um, Doug, Doug is a tireless worker that just has really gotten after it in a big way. And he does, he makes sure everything kind of works here on, uh, when we get together in the morning and, he, and he, yeah, <laughs> and he coordinates with the newsletter and, and, um, Doug, I just really appreciate you. you you're uh, um, you're a passionate disciple, and I appreciate all you do for us. So thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So with that, we're going to um, uh, today we're we're blessed to have Roger Davis uh, share with us. Um, Roger, everybody knows Roger Davis, right? So he's a man that doesn't need an introduction at the church. Um, I'm excited to have Roger. When I started, when, I, when I, we had the kind of the vision for this, um, Roger was one of the one of the men I called and said. You know, what do you think and what do I do? And um, one of the things with that, with this group is, um, again, with the with the vision statement, it says, Our vision is to encourage men to grow as passionate disciples of Jesus Christ, to bring the men of the church together as one, to multiply the impact the church is having on the world to further God's kingdom, to nurture mentoring relationships among men of the church so we can all grow as passionate disciples. And when I think about that, and when I was thinking about why we would want to have a group like this, where men come together as a church, and where we develop mentoring relationships, and with a fruit that can come out of that, you know, Roger Davis was part of the inspiration for that. You know, I started working with Roger on some projects around the church, probably seven, eight, nine years ago, and they haven't always worked out how we wanted to, but, um, you know, Roger came, you know, through working together at the church, um, we became friends, and Roger really has served as a mentor to me in terms of understanding how the church works, understanding um, how to uh, who in the church we need to you know you need to get connected with, and he has always encouraged me uh, when I would say, "Hey, I have an idea, or I think we should try this, or you know, I'm, I'm thinking of doing this." He has always provided wise counsel and a lot of encouragement, and that's meant a lot to me personally. And I want more relationships in this church like the one that Roger and I have. And that's part of why I started the group. So, Roger, thanks so much for being here today. Looking forward to what you have to share.
for it, Tom? With that kind of introduction, what are you going to say? <laughs> I don't know. Now I don't know what to say. <laughs> that I want to thank Tim for inviting me. Uh, I really have enjoyed the relationship that we have had over the years. and We've worked on a number of projects together. But Tim has always been enthusiastic. He's always got another idea, and it's just refreshing to see that. So thanks, Tim. And I think you are. Huh? And he's younger than you. And are. he is a lot younger. I'm trying to think which generation he is in. You know, we talk so much about generations today. Our generation, Tom, and you're in this too. We're called the elders. Now, I don't know who made up that title, but it had to be somebody from either the the boomers, the busters, or the millennials. None of us would have come up with that title for our generation. But um, I, when Tim asked me to do this, I said, you know, I'm going to be at a real disadvantage because most of the other speakers have had to cover a fairly limited number of years. <laughs> and I got a lot of time to cover here. So guys, just sit back and relax, okay? <laughs> Um, you know, to think about telling your story, uh, you feel a little reluctant to do that. But, um, and I've used this story before, my story, I think, could be likened to a fairy tale. Okay, now every fairy tale has a beginning. And the typical beginning, you know, is, is standard. But there's a difference depending on what part of the country you come from. See, a northern fairy tale begins once upon a time. And a southern fairy tale begins, y'all ain't never going to believe this. <laughs> and, um, I grew up about 10 miles north of Dothan, Alabama. How many have ever been to Dothan, through Dothan, Okay, put your hands down. How many have not? You guys don't know what you've missed. <laughs> well, for those of you who have not been, I encourage you to go. For those of you who have been down through there, the next time you go, as you're going down Route 431, you go through the big metropolis of Headland, and about three or four miles out of Headland, on the right is a little green sign, and it points to Kinsey, and it's a farm-to-market road. So you take a left, you go down about a mile and a half, and you come to Kinsey. Now, Kinsey is on a T. We could not afford a crossroads, <laughs> so we only have a T. Now, there was a general store there, and I can remember... The uh, elderly people of my day always played checkers and dominoes out under the porch of that store. But it was the gathering place. There were two churches in Kinsey, a Methodist church, and that was for the, the more elite people. Then there was the Baptist church, and that was the church we went to. It was a typical country Baptist church, white clapboard. Cemetery was out behind it. It was one big room, and it had wires strung around. 
and they hung curtains to separate the Sunday school rooms. So we would have Sunday school first in those days. We'd pull the curtains back, and then we would have worship. Now, we only had worship once a month, and our Sunday was the fourth Sunday. I'm sure Mike has done some circuit preaching. So uh, we ours was the fourth Sunday. Well, as we progressed, we got to two Sundays a month. Then we went to full time. And um, But we always had Sunday school. And my story really is going to revolve around three churches that we participated in. And one of them was the Kinsey Baptist Church. Now, my parents separated when I was 11 years old. And I went to live with my grandparents on a farm. And this was a real working farm. This was not one of those glorious kind of things that you do. Um, I tell people that where we lived, we lived in the last house. Because the further you went, the rougher they got, and we lived in the absolute last house on the road. There were no other houses beyond us. Now today we would say that we lived on an unimproved road. <laughs> To us, it was a dirt road. The nearest paved road was about two and a half miles. Our mailbox was a mile from the house. And I was a junior in high school before we had electricity. And I had graduated from high school three years in the Army and was a junior in college before we had indoor plumbing. Okay, My grandfather never went to school. He could not read and he could not write. My grandmother finished the third grade. I had already finished the third grade when I went to live with them, so I didn't get a lot of, of uh, homework help from them. <laughs> okay. So I tell you, when people today talk to me about the good old days, right now are the good old days <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. My grandfather uh, homesteaded 80 acres, and we still have the sheepskin deed that he got for those 80 acres. And he raised his six children and me on the 80 acres. And um, we've, we worked the farm with two mules and a horse. And I want to tell you, if you have never seen the sun come up over the rear end of a mule, <laughs> you haven't lived. Okay? Now, we raised cotton, corn, peanuts, uh, vegetables. We had hogs, cows, uh, guineas, chickens, turkeys, all of that stuff. But growing up on a farm really has been meaningful to me because there are a number of lessons that you learn growing up on a farm. Number one is you're going to have to work hard to survive. <laughs> it is not going to be easy. Number two, there was never a time when there wasn't something to do. My grandfather could find something for me to do, and he would frequently give me a task, and he would say, Turn your hat around so I'll think you've already done it and you're coming back. 
Things, the other thing is things had to be done in season. You know, in Ecclesiastes 3, it says, there is a season for everything. Well, you had to do things when it was the right time to do them. You had to prepare the land, you had to plant, you had to cultivate, and then you had to harvest. And it was in that order. You could not change the order. And you had to do it at the right time of the year. And you were totally dependent on God. Think about this. I'm going to take this little seed, and I'm going to put it in the ground, and I'm going to hope something magical happens. I hope it sprouts and it comes up. And the best sight a farmer can see is to go out there about two weeks after he's planted and look down the row and see all the green shoots coming up. That's magical in itself. But you're also dependent on God for rain. Sometimes you get too much. Sometimes you don't get enough. I can remember our family going to the church to pray for rain during the the growth season. But I can remember going, praying for it to stop raining so we could harvest. So you're totally dependent on God. But we, we were all poor. We just didn't know it because everybody around us were poor. But this, this little church that we were a part of was the beginning of my faith. I accepted Christ at age 13 in a summer revival. We had a, Rusty I know has done this, I see him smiling. We had a visiting revivalist. Man, they could preach hellfire and brimstone. And at age 13, I accepted Christ. And a week later, I was baptized in a muddy creek along the road And it's the same creek, same place that we always went swimming in. So I was right at home. Now, the, the church, the little Baptist church, we always had Sunday school. Had it every Sunday. And it was very structured. The Baptists had a six point program, okay? And you came and you got a little envelope and you had to check on there. You had to check that number one, you were there. Number two, you plan to attend worship the next time we had it. Number three, you were giving an offering. Number four, you had studied your lesson. And number five, you had done your daily Bible reading every day. You didn't accumulate them. You did it every day. And number six was that you had memorized your verse of Scripture. Scripture memorization is not easy. But I learned it starting at about age 13. And it has been a great blessing to me to think back on some of the verses that I memorized as a child. So that was the basis, really, of my faith walk in its beginning. It, And I look back on it now, and I am appreciative for all the things that were done for me in that little Baptist church. Well, at age 18, I I had already made the decision I did not want to be a farmer the rest of my life. (laughs) So at age 18, I enlisted in the Army. Fortunately, three months after I enlisted, I guess the North Koreans heard I was in the service, but they signed the treaty. So I... (laughs) 
I never had to go overseas. In fact, I spent my time in the service almost in a country club. I was assigned to a special weapons project base in uh, Colleen, Texas. We had nuclear weapons there. We worked on them. We moved them. We did exercises. We did all that thing. But because of it being a real small base, we had all the amenities we needed. And there were times I never left the base. <clears throat> we had a chapel on the base. And that we had a chaplain who we got to be good friends with. It was not a period of time in my life where I really grew spiritually, but I maintained the contact. So I was in the, in the service for two years, ten months, and twenty-two days. Four hours and thirty-two minutes. <laughs> now, I knew I wanted to get out, and I applied for early release so I could go to school, and I went to Auburn. Now, because I had had military service, and I'd taken some courses while I was in the service, and I took overloads at Auburn. I was able to complete Auburn in two and a half years. I got a degree in, in um, accounting. I graduated in December of 1958, right at the bottom of a recession. There were no jobs available. I had nine months left on the GI Bill, so I applied to the University of Florida. It was accepted in graduate school. So I went there. And the best thing that happened there was I met Gail. I met her at a Baptist Student Union social event. I took her as a date, really. And uh, my life has never been the same. <laughs> we were married about a year and a half later, and we have been married for 53 years. Now, that's in regular years. But if you're... <laughs> If you know Gail, she ain't regular. I figure that each year is worth about a year and a half. So I consider that I've been married 79 years. Uh, she, she really makes things exciting. And um, we have had a, a great life. We enjoy... It being in ministry together, we enjoy traveling together, we enjoy having our life together. Well, after University of Florida, I went to work for IBM. I was hired in Jacksonville, Florida. I was there 11 months, and I got my first taste of what IBM really means. I've been moved. Okay? I was in Jacksonville 11 months, part of a management training program. And we were transferred to Richmond. I was transferred. She was still in school to Richmond, Virginia. Halfway through that assignment, we got married and we lived in Richmond. Our first child was born in Richmond. We were in Richmond 22 months. And then we were transferred to Tampa. We were in Tampa 19 months and our second child was born. And then we were transferred to, of all places, New York City. Now, here I am, think about it, ten years before this, I was piling a mule. <laughs> I now have an office in, down, in Midtown, New York, 57th and Madison Avenue. You talk about somebody who was out of place. 
But it was a great experience with IBM. I was with IBM 29 years. And I spent most of my time doing financial planning, doing operating planning, strategic planning, product planning, planning of all sorts, executive resource planning. And so my back, my accounting background was helpful in that. I loved what I did, and I, I just enjoyed my career with IBM. Went there for a two-year assignment, supposedly. Gail kept asking me, tell me again when this two years will be up. Because we were there 18 years. Okay? After we moved up there, we eventually found a church, a non-denominational church, very evangelical. It was not even loosely associated with any organization. It was relatively small when we started going there. The pastor was from Dallas Theological Seminary, and he was a pastor-teacher. The first year we were there, he started a series on the book of Ephesians, and it took him a year to finish it. But he brought in so much scripture that applied to that, and he taught about what the church really was. And that was probably one of the best growth experiences we've ever had. He had a overhead projector, the old type, and he had a screen. Doug, he wouldn't have we wouldn't have needed you for that one. But he taught on Sunday morning, and he told the church, he said, I need 35 minutes for a sermon. If you don't give me that, I'm going somewhere else. And people were lined up to get into the sanctuary because of his teaching. He put an outline in the bulletin, and he gave you three questions that were to be discussed at a Wednesday night prayer meeting gathering. So it was a real growth experience for me to be a part of that. Now, being non-denominational, we didn't have a book of discipline, Mike. We didn't know where to go for answers to things. So we made them up as we went. And if something really sticky came up, the pastor would say, here's some scripture I want you to read, and here's a time we're going to get together and talk about this. And he would teach on that subject. We began to have a little problem with speaking in tongues. And he did a whole series on a Sunday evening about tongues and where it fit in the Christian experience. So that was a real growth experience for me. Uh, I served in a number of capacities there. And we were members of that particular church for 14 years. And then the miracle happened. We were, I, we were on vacation. And went back, and I had a note on my desk saying, you need to go to a meeting at such and such. So I went, and I found out that I had been assigned to a task force to look at three marketing divisions that we were going to put into, put into two. One of them was going to be located in Atlanta. I raised my hand, and I volunteered to jump into the briar patch. Okay. So I was able to work my way down to Atlanta, and that was 32 years ago. Um, we came here, we just assumed we would join a Baptist church. Why not? We've been Baptist all our life. And this church in New Jersey was very Baptist-oriented. 
So we went to the First Baptist, we went to Lebanon Baptist, we visited Baptist churches, and they just didn't fit. So a friend of ours said this, why don't you try RUMC? So we came and visited, and when the service was over, our three kids looked at us and said, we don't know where you're going, (laughs) but we know where we're going. So we have been members now here for 32 years. And I've got to quit. But this has been this has been a real growth experience for us to be here. I mentioned our little Kinsey Baptist Church providing a background, a study of the scripture, memorization, the the um, regimen or the routine of reading your Bible, studying your lesson, doing all those things. Going to New Jersey and having to create a family of friends up there and finding a church that also nurtured and taught the scripture. And then we came here and the thing that impressed us about this church was the caring attitude. Uh, when we came here, they had, the church had just adopted the motto, we care. And that was exemplified in so many Programs. It was exemplified, you know, first of all through the Noah's Ark program. Uh, it was exemplified through the singles program that was started, through the widows helping others, through the counseling center. The greatest story about the counseling center is somebody came to Malone and said, I went for counseling to a, a non-religious counselor. And he told me that my problem was I needed to give up my religious faith and then everything would be okay. I wouldn't feel guilty and everything would be okay. Malone said, we need a counseling center. <laughs> but everywhere I looked, there were caring ministries going on. And so from that, we, we had this feeling that this is the right place for us. This is where we need to be, and we can find a place to worship. We can find a place to serve here. I retired uh, early. IBM offered me a plan. They had this plan. I sat down and read it, and I only had one question when I got through reading the plan. Where do I sign? (laughs) So I retired early and had been retired about six months when John Wolfe, our associate minister, left. And he left in the middle of the church year. Gail and I had been active in evangelism here. So Malone came to me and he said, "Why, why don't you just take on evangelism and do it for six months till we get a new associate appointed? And I said, well, how much time is it going to take? He said, well, it's part-time. I said, part-time, describe that. He says, well, it's part-time, about half-time. And you're and feel free to work any 12 hours of the day you choose. Okay? <laughs> so we decided to do that. And at the end of the church year, when they got associates, he came back to me and he said, well, I kind of like what you're doing, so why don't you stay on and I'll give this new associate something else to do. So he renewed my contract for nine years. Okay, we did that for nine years. Um, I 
I enjoy doing research. So I'd never done evangelism before. So I signed up for the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. We went to the evangelism week in Lake Junaluska. I read every book I could get a hold of. I read uh, Rick Warren's Saddleback book, Bill Hybels' Willow Creek book, Randy Pope's book on on peached on uh, the, pres- the uh, perimeter of church. And then Gail and I worked hard with a big group of volunteers, and there are a number of them in this room today who were a part of that program, to develop a program that would help people go from thinking about that church to this church I have visited to my church. And that's the way we kind of structured it. I know a couple of people I see that came through the class and uh, were a part of that. But we did that, and we had fun doing it, and the, the church was growing because of the population growth. We were, we were fortunate to be here at a time when that was going on. We were able to help over 4,800 people become members of this church. And we know <clears throat> we worked hard at knowing them and knowing as much about them as we could. And there are a number of folks in this room who were part of our visitation team when we went out and visited in the homes and, and uh, did that. So as I look back now, I look at the Kinsey Baptist Church and the foundation that it laid. I look at the Jacksonville Chapel in Lincoln Park, New Jersey, for the in-depth teaching that it had. And I look to this church for the caring ministries that it had. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention missions. Because we got involved in missions, and I had the unfortunate experience of meeting John Pearson. (laughs) 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 But Gail and I have loved the missions projects and programs, and we've been on a number of them, and it is very near and dear to our hearts. But that's about all that you have time for if we're going to get out of here at 8 o'clock. And Tim, I want to honor the time that you've given me and the time that we've set. There are a couple of questions that I uh, developed. I told you the three churches that affected me may not be a church that affected you. It may be an individual. It may be an event. It may be an association. But something has been a major part of your spiritual growth. And this is just a a question that deals with that and um, will allow you some time around the table to think about a specific incident, a particular series of incidents, or a prolonged period that had a significant impact on your spiritual life. So... Take a few minutes and do that, and um, I think we'll be right on time. Thank you, Roger. For Roger Davis. Roger, so appreciate your testimony, and uh, just so much appreciate the difference that you've made at this church and this community. So... Uh, that was that was quite inspirational this morning, very encouraging, and uh, I, I enjoyed it very much, so thank you. 
Um, Roger left us with three questions, okay, and uh, and said, and as we're thinking about it, we're reflecting on, as a table, what we've either had as an incident, an event, or a prolonged period in our life. One of the ways I concluded at our table, I said, well, you know, do you ever sit there and wonder, well, what's next? What's the next incident that's going to have an impact on me? What's the next event that... um, in the series of events that 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 are gonna is gonna shape me in some way, and what's the next chapter in this prolonged period at this church? And we've got three of those that might be might fit you today. So um, first one is we're gonna have, I'm gonna ask Pat McPherson to come up and, and just speak with you briefly. Um, uh, Pat is gonna be our speaker in uh, January, so I hope you all come back and, and hear him. And he's gonna talk about a class called Intentional Leadership that we're gonna offer at the uh, uh, offer in January. It's a 12-week class um, that uh, we've already actually had some some signups. So uh, we're hoping that uh, that more men will join us. And and we also hope that this might be a class that you in this church, when you think about intentional leadership, that is that's a topic that's appealing to men broadly. And I want you to think about this not as just a way that we can equip the men of this church. But is there somebody in your life that you could you could ask to come walk with you for a 12-week period? Everybody, when they turn the new year, they're thinking about, hey, how can I get grow, grow closer to God? Or what can I do to equip myself to have a bigger difference this year or the next year? And I, I just think uh, I'm really excited about this class. I've known Pat for a long time, and uh, uh, I'm just going to turn it over to him at this point. You'll hear more about it in January as well. All right. Thank you, Tim. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Good morning. I do want to just um, invite you to come back. Is it January 8th or 4th? Uh, January 8th. 8th. Sorry about it. I won't come on the 4th. But, so <laughs> January 8th, I am going to come and um, share a little bit about me. And so I'll leave that for then. But I do invite you to come because I will talk a little bit more about what we will do in these 12 sessions. And there is a sheet of paper on your table. That gives a little bit of description on this curriculum called Intentional Leadership. It is going to be, I think I put down, we have spots for 20 folks. And each week I will be giving out some readings. There will be multiple different authors, Christian authors, maybe um, devotions, um, articles that I've pulled. I think I've pulled um, a chapter from the Cost of Discipleship book from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. There'll be just a mirage of different readings that we'll talk about each week. So it will be a very much a facilitation type group. We're going to meet, as you'll see, on Friday mornings starting January 23rd. We'll probably go through May 1st because we'll probably take a couple weeks off at different places like spring break. I have kids in school and then I think there's a winter break and I have to coordinate. I'm in Marietta, so I got to coordinate Cobb and Fulton County School. Um, schedules, but that's going to be the general frame is meeting weekly from 6.30 in the morning to 7.45 on Fridays. Real quickly, I wrote down here on the bottom just a little bit about intentional leadership, and I find this, I just want to emphasize, this is a study on leadership where the focus is not creating leaders, but developing leadership. Think about that, what that might mean to you. The type of leadership that is defined by one's response versus one's role. And more specifically about one's response to the Lord. On January 23rd when we start, we'll be kicking off from 
chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. If you're familiar with that book, they give a collage of names from the Old Testament of folks who were known for their faith. I'd like to add that they were also known for the way they responded to the Lord, which opened the door for leadership. And that's where I want to talk about how we can be intentional, not just being a leader, but with leadership. Thanks, and I really look forward to seeing you next month. Thank you, Pat. And uh, Craig's going to come up. Uh, one of the things that Roger talked about uh, was uh, the, the role that missions had uh, with uh, the impact it's had on his faith journey. So uh, Craig's going to talk about an opportunity. Roger uh, Roger was talking about coming into the church 30-some-odd years ago. Well, we joined the church at the same time that Roger did. And uh, as many of you have, have already said, Roger was uh, very influential in our faith journey as well. Uh, and but the, the impact of this church and the things that we always do to extend our mission opportunities and our outreach is amazing and is continuing. Um, I just want to introduce to you something you'll be hearing more about uh, very shortly, and it's our, our the Roswell United Methodist Honduras outreach mission. Um, we this church joined together with an organization called Lunches for Learning that I've been a part of for several years. In fact, I've been down to Honduras. Uh, four times now in the last year and a half. Uh, and basically what the situation is, is that Honduras is about 70% of the population of Honduras is impoverished, which means they can't feed their families. Um, malnutrition is rampant in Honduras. And in particularly southern Honduras, uh, these the population there mostly lives in the mountains in very remote locations, almost inaccessible locations. Uh, but there is, in fact, a network by the government of schools, elementary schools within that region. Uh, the communities are very are, are heavily impoverished, and what's happening in, that, in those regions, even though there are schools, the kids, 30 to 40 percent of the kids either don't go to elementary school or are pulled out of elementary school before they graduate. Uh, the end result of that is that they don't know how to read, write, and they are not able to su sustain themselves. Uh, what we've discovered is that if you feed a child lunch in school, they will stay in school and graduate. And that's the, that's what Lunches for Learning focuses in on. Our church has now adopted a school. Uh, the foundation has provided some seed money to allow us to adopt a school. It cost $150 a child per year to feed them lunch. Um, so we have taken on a school, and we will have two trips next year. One, and I have, I have some information flyers on it, and hopefully within the next few weeks we'll get a website up uh, attached to our website, give them more information. So anybody needs some information right now, please come to me. But the... Um, we, we've adopted a school. We will have a, a mission trip to schedule for uh, April 29th through May 3rd to visit that school and work with the families. Now, the other thing that Roger said, but which is so, it's the reason I've been so called into this particular area, is he described what it was like growing up in, in an impoverished situation. These families are wonderful people. Uh, these families are close-knit families, uh, and, and they're thankful for every little bit that they have. When we work with these families, it's it's just it's empowering to look at what we can potentially do. So the long range plan for us is is to participate with our school 
get to know the people and get to look at ways in which we can bring some of the gifts that we have to them uh, in different ways, starting with just enabling them to have uh, a healthy meal and to stay in school. Uh, there'll be a second trip next year in November, which is the graduation ceremony for the graduating sixth graders. Uh, Jim Coyle just came back from the one uh, that won this year, uh, and uh, the experience is enormous to, watch, to, to see what happens when, through the uh, feeding of these children, you can, uh, you can see the result uh, as they graduate and celebrate with them in that graduation process. So, um, oh, the other piece that I want to mention is this is an additive um, mission opportunity that comes along with a lot of the things that we're doing for a couple of important reasons. Um, we want to get more people involved in the mission process, and this is a simple one. Um, this is easy for us to get involved. Number one, it's very economical. Number two, uh, basically what it cost is, uh, it'll cost for a mission trip is $600 plus your airfare. Um, the, number two, it's, it's very easy to do. It's a, it's a short trip. We will leave on Wednesday. The flight is a direct flight to Tegucigalpa. Uh, two and a half, three hours, excuse me. Uh, three hour flight to Tegucigalpa. You leave at 10 o'clock in the morning. You're picked up at the airport. We drive two hours. You go to a location that is in the center of the Valley District in southern Honduras. But that location has a very secure hotel, a very comfortable hotel that provides meeting space, places that we can eat, and, uh, and it's a safe environment. It's a comfortable environment. Uh, we will work on Thursday and Friday at the school that we sponsor, helping and working with the families in the community. Uh, Saturday will be a day of celebration at the school with the children's and, children and family and a day, an afternoon of recreation. You return home on Sunday morning. You're back here by dinner time on Sunday night. Uh, it's a uh, it's an impactful trip. Uh, lives are turned around when you when you experience what we're doing here. But it's easy for us to to do, and it's easy for us to bring more people into that. Uh, please let me know if there's somebody, if there's a class, uh, a, a group that you're associated with that might have an interest that we can talk more about. I'd like to spend more time talking about it. You will see coming up in December a short video. Um, we're, we're making a short video, and we're making also. A, a website that will have all of this information, and I do have a few sheets uh, that cover what I just talked about. Contact me; my uh, my information's on this, and if you have any interest at all. The school that we have adopted have over a hundred kids right now. It's one of the largest schools in the program. By the way, the Lunches for Learning program has uh, 27 schools, and 1,500 kids uh, are involved in the program already. Real impactful, it's, and it's making a difference. Thank you, Greg. Thank you so much. And then um, one of the other things that Roger touched upon was evangelism and, and, and reaching reaching others. And, uh, you know, this church is uh, trying to reach others through Roswell X. You've heard about that. And uh, Dave has, uh, uh, David Wofford's going to come up and talk real quickly about how you might be able to support that after. That will be done. Thanks, Tim. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, Tim talked about what's the, one of the next events that's going to happen that may, you know, bring changes to the church. This Roswell X, I think, is is one of those things. And uh, Eric Lee has asked uh, my wife and I to be in charge of getting some some volunteers to help for the next couple of weeks to be. Uh, we need men specifically for extra for parking lot greeters and then uh, men or women to do some exterior door greeters. So we've got um, we got a need for for a few of those men uh, and for specifically for parking lot men uh, for exterior door greeters. It could be men or women. 
for the next couple of weeks. Um, if you are interested and would like to be a volunteer for us, uh, I'll, I'll give you an email address that you can uh, see and send to me. It's it's foundations. I'm on the foundations class. It's foundations r u m c uh, all one word at gmail.com. So uh, email me there, and we can I'll send you the the sign up genius that we have uh, that my wife set up for it, um, and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Um, well, with that, I will ask Roger to close us in prayer. So, Roger, if you come up and close us, and uh, before he does, again, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. May this season be filled with joy, peace, hope, and love for you and your family. So, Roger, thank you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, what a wonderful God you are. You have blessed us in so many ways. Help us to be attentive to those ways and help us to be responsive to your leading and your calling and your direction. We pray now that as we leave here, we leave friends, we leave Christian friends and we go out into the world, that you would give us opportunities to share our faith with others. Give us the boldness to do that and give us the courage to witness for you. So bless us as we leave here and help us to be about your business. We ask in Christ's name.